We're going to be uh, dipping back into the book of Acts. Um, Now we, for those who are very uh, observant, we did touch on Acts about 12 months ago uh, during COVID and it was rather disjointed and uh, whether we're here or not or you're online, um, I thought it's just really good for us to go back to Acts again because we've been celebrating uh, the the Pentecost Sunday, uh, the coming of the Spirit and I really believe Acts is a really significant book for us to learn from. Um, One of the things that was really significant last week when when, uh, Brad was up here asking questions like, uh, why do we come to church? Uh, I really loved Pam Smith's comment. Uh, Pam said she comes to church to be corrected. This might not be exactly her words, but I think this is long to be corrected to be challenged and sit in the discomfort of that. Um, and of course, what she's talking about is, is coming, being confronted with the Word of God. The Word of God is what, that which confronts us and challenges us to change the way we think, to change the way we act. And she, she included to find peace. <clears throat> now that peace... Finding sometimes takes a lot of time, doesn't it? It doesn't happen in one week. We, when we're confronted with the Word of God, there are things in our lives that is really hard to submit to God's Word fully. Uh, but that process is a good process. Can't say the discomfort. Uh, we wouldn't say at the time is a good thing. The struggle is good. So if you're telling me, you know, often people say, I'm struggling in this area, I'm thinking, well, thank God you're struggling because the alternative is that you won't struggle at all because you've given up. So if you're struggling, <coughs> you're struggling today, let me say, thank God you're struggling. Keep struggling because that's you working with the Spirit of God in your life to be challenged and to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, which is always a struggle. And I think we're going to see something of uh, the early church struggling. These, these, these uh, Jesus, uh, as Peter read, uh, Jesus being taken up into heaven and, and this early church struggle and I think if we're going to use the language of today, what we're talking about is, is they, uh, and I guess I should mention that we're looking at Acts of the Disciples Manual, uh, and I think it's a manual of making disciples. Uh, it's what Jesus was teaching his disciples, but these are the five areas I think as I read Acts, this is modern language, there was inherent racism amongst the, Jew, the Jewish Christians. Um, we see that in Samaritans and their struggles with, with those outside the Jewish faith becoming believers. There's obvious discrimination because there, there, there was a blockage in Judaism about who can come into the temple. And if you were lame, if you were crippled, you would never enter the temple of God. And we see uh, the early church leaving the discom- their, their comforts of life and they, they were entering into persecution. Persecution, um, 
Uh, I don't think I've ever been persecuted in this way, maybe. A, but, but, but here we see persecution. They're leaving behind the comforts of their life. We see them leaving deep prejudices behind. They have to leave. Um, they were being oppressed by Romans and there's, there's Peter going into a Roman centurion's place and teaching them about the true God and Jesus Christ the Lord, they had to overcome these incredible prejudice. And they, and they didn't go easily. They, they went kicking and screaming. They had to change, there was a change of worldview that was happening to them. <clears throat> and we see that um, with um, the things they hold as theologically correct, like the laws of Moses. These things which are tried and tested over generations, and they actually had to confront their change of worldview about how we respond to people who are non-Jews coming into faith and what, how the Jewish people should, should respond. And these are five things, I think, that the early church had to deal with. And I'm going to suggest these are five things that we have to deal with today. Inherent racism in our society and we're a part of that society, discrimination. This is a part of the things that we are learning, I have to learn. It's part of the discomfort that Pam, I think, spoke about. Leaving the comforts of life because there is nothing more significant than your superannuation in our society because what happens if you have to live in a pension and, and you can't get away for those overseas holidays? I can't do that anyway, but if you can't go to... You know what I mean? This, these are the comforts that we are told that we are to hold on to. Well, guess what? Jesus has got a better superannuation plan for you guys. And it's to do more than just being comfortable in this life. We have to overcome deep prejudices. We, we do because particularly if you're white Anglo who've lived as long as I have, I remember when there was hardly any people of other ethnic groups and I remember my struggle with racism, and which, not to tell you the truth, I still struggle with. You know, There's still an element there, if I'm honest. This remarkable change of worldview, these deep theological things that I once held as Dear, which Jesus actually is teaching me, actually, maybe, maybe that's not the most important thing. I think these are things that the church, early church had to deal with, and I think we have to deal with them too. We are, we are as a church, um, wanting to say yes to God as he leads us forward. Um, and uh, there's times, I think what we, what we see in Acts is they had to learn on the job. Uh, they, it wasn't so that uh, Jesus sort of told them that uh, uh, it would teach them everything they had to, to know before they went out. They actually, they had on-the-job training. Um, and so they, they had to learn as they go forward. They didn't have it all sorted. They were, they were a work in progress. And I reckon you're probably a work in progress too with what God is doing in your life and through your life. You haven't got it all together. But God wants you to be 
an agent in this world on his behalf, even though you don't have it all together. Um, in the book of Acts, what we see actually is, uh, is it's not until Acts chapter 12 that the church actually intentionally do what they're supposed to do without being forced by God. Uh, before this, we see persecution scattering the church or, or these radical Christians are going out and the church un- scratching their head knowing, what do we do when there's Romans and there's Gentiles coming to faith? But in Acts chapter 12, we see the, the first time the church actually act like the church and intentionally send Paul and Barnabas out to make known this message to the world. And of course, there was blockages in their way. We are going to look at the, uh, this Acts for the first, the first 14 chapters. Um, and I would love for you to take it as a discipleship manual for you. You... You want a manual for discipleship? Acts is the book that we have. And a wonderful outcome would be for you as disciples to have a better understanding of what it means for you to be a disciple in this world today. Not in 1970s, not in 1950s, not in 1990s. What does it mean for you to be a disciple today in 2021? As we go through uh, these themes and acts, we're going to see about what it means to be witness to the world. To be, we're going to learn what it's going to be to to be inclusive of all people, to actually welcome people into our lives, to be guided by the providence of God, how God has got a plan and how we are to act in this way. We're going to be we're going to be confronted with how to be effective witnesses, to to be united in that as the church. Um, a witness of, this, of, the, of this, the central part of our witness is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're going to be learning how, what it means to, for the, the people who are going to have to respond to this message, and yet somehow it's an act of God in their life, and, and yet also it's, an act, it's their choice. There, there's some sort of play here between what God is doing in people's lives and, and their ability to choose God, and somehow these two things come together. We're going to see how we have to maintain integrity even though things are going to get hard, how to be faithful. And so I want to you know, thanks to, uh, to Peter for reading. Um, and we see that in, in, and this is Luke writing. He writes, in my former book, wouldn't it be nice to have his former book, his first book? Wouldn't that be really nice? This is his second book. Where's his first book? Luke's Gospel. Okay, so in Luke, he, he, what does it say? I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So in Luke's Gospel, Luke wrote all that Jesus began to do and teach. And so this is his second book. And so we, I think he's saying that uh, we're going to look at what Jesus continues to do and to teach. You see that? So in, in Luke, it's what Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus is now, at the start of Acts, is going to be with the Father. So, But Jesus is going to continue to do and to teach his disciples something. And so here we have the book of Acts and where we're going to learn 
what it is to be a disciple. It's interesting, when I did go into schools to do scripture, um, they used to always talk, the teachers used to talk about being a lifelong learner. Did you, have you heard that sort of expression? You, know, that you need to be a lifelong learner. And I think you know, we need to accept that we as disciples need to be lifelong learners. Because we don't actually get to the end of this course that we're in of being a disciple of Jesus. And uh, we are all, I love the idea of being an apprentice. We are, because apprentices, um, when I did my apprenticeship, uh, four days a week I'd be on the job and one day a week I'd go to TAFE and learn. And and this combination of learning and and practice was a a wonderful part of, of, of learning in my apprenticeship. And I think we can take this same thing into our lives today. If you're not doing, you're not learning. If you're just trying to learn before you do, then I suggest that you won't be as effective. How do we learn as disciples? We have the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and prayer. We have the Spirit of God the word of God and prayer. We have those who have gone on before us and those who have uh, gone in remarkable ways. But I also hope that somehow you've got a mentor in your life, someone who, who you can talk to about life and, uh, and struggle with what faith means today. Because it's important to be witnesses. Look at... Uh, uh, as verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive because they needed, they were to be witnesses to be that Jesus has risen again. Because if Jesus, everyone knew that Jesus had died, but if Jesus had died and hadn't risen again, then what we are doing today is absolute foolishness. But they were to be witnesses that Jesus' resurrection, because Jesus resurrected, raised to be with the Father, he is the one who brings heaven and earth together. He is the one who is the centre of all things, and he is Lord. Now, verse 4, on one occasion while I was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days that you you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Wait for the gift. Um, that's, what, that's what Brown was saying, wasn't it? The, uh, sometimes we're told to wait, but we want to race on. But here they were told to wait. Uh, I'm really, it's really sad, isn't it, that we've made talking about the Holy Spirit controversial in Christian circles. Does that grieve you? that somehow we've made that controversial. Then when we start talking about, if I start reading the baptism of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we get a bit, is this going to be controversial? Is it going to be, it's going to be difficult? But if we just look at the analogy, we know what we've seen baptisms where people are put under the water and raised up, submerged by the water, what Jesus, what, what it's talking about here is with the Holy Spirit, who it's 
Take that same analogy. As believers, the, the water is representative almost of the Holy Spirit now. And we're, 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 we're surrounded by the Holy Spirit. We live in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are, we are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That's where we're to live. That, that is how we're to live our lives, in the Holy Spirit. And um, I think it's really good for us to be reminded that this is, this is a normal way for disciples of Jesus to live in the Holy Spirit. I love verse 6. So you've got the picture there. Jesus said this. Then they gather around him and ask, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his authority, but you'll receive Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the age. The question, Lord, is this the right time for the kingdom of God, to Israel, to be restored, is the wrong question. I love how Jesus doesn't even answer that. That's not for you to know. But what he does is direct them to the very thing he's just said. Uh, you're going to be witnesses. You've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think we ask the wrong questions of what Jesus wants, where he's made it very plain to them what he wants, but, but sometimes we go off on our own tangents. And, and after he said this, he has taken up before them the very eyes, and a cloud hid them from his sight. You've got the picture, like, as, as we read, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. Can you just imagine it? Is it, is it? No, it's a bird. Uh, the he went behind that cloud, didn't he? Like, they're, they're actually standing around, looking intently to the sky. How long did they stay there for? Oh, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? How long were they standing there for? Long enough for two guys to come along. Oh, we know they're angels. And uh, men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you'll, that you'll see him go into heaven. I wondered why they were looking into the sky how long were they there for? Were they scared? Were they, were they expecting him to come back down, I wonder? They didn't know, did they? Were they, were they wondering what to do next? I mean, it would be an amazing sight to see Jesus go up in the sky and, and to just vanish. That would be remarkable. But here, it took angels, two, two men, angels, to come and tell them, Go and do what Jesus said. And I think sometimes we stand there too, looking, don't we? We're just looking. And sometimes we just need someone to say, go and do what Jesus said. If that's uncomfortable, uh, uh, it may be uncomfortable, isn't it? But that's what Jesus said. 
Why are you standing around playing games? Do what Jesus said. I was thinking about this. Why was Jesus around for 40 days? Why was Jesus on the mountain when he went? Why was it that Jesus spoke in this way? It's really helpful for us to understand uh, the, the bigger picture of the Bible. Um, do you remember when um, the Israelites come out of e Egypt? Um, they would get to travel 40 days and worship at the mountain. And so the 40 days they, they, they went to Sinai. And there's, there's a, sort of a, a parallel happening here. So Jesus is there for 40, 40 days. He's on the mountaintop. Jesus on the mountaintop. When Israel went to the mountain, of course, Moses met with, uh, with God. And when Moses was up there, he got the Ten Commandments. He got the instructions. And, and here is Jesus imparting to his disciples his final instructions that they are to go in all the world. When you think of what happened to Israel, um, it's interesting that they're, they're talking about uh, failing to go into the promised land in there with Joshua, aren't they? Because they, and when they did actually get to the promised land 40 years later, they didn't do what God said. They, they, they still left pockets of the, the inhabitants there. And they, they found it was too tiring to do what God said. They found it was too hard. And their sinfulness came back to bite them in terrible ways. As we think about this, this is, this is Jesus on the mountaintop imparting to his disciples this, this, this command to go into the world, to go into the, the areas of the world, have no fear, go and conquer the world with this message that Jesus is the king. That's the message. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who is the the culmination of heaven and earth. And as we come to Acts, I, I really encourage you to think about what is it that God wants you to do? Like the, you have the spirit of God in you. I find myself, uh, when you and I are in this process of, uh, you know, we're very thrilled about the way uh, we're now asking for new pastors to come, the, the ad's gone out and uh, um, so it's been wonderful, but we're processing now. What, is, what does God want us to do next? And there's some interesting thoughts happening, crazy thoughts. But it's almost like, but you've got to trust God in this. It starts with a calling, doesn't it? And that calling that God gives us is, is almost an impossible task like it was for the Israelites, for the disciples. It's an impossible task. I can't do that. And we can't without the Spirit of God, without the power of God in our lives. You might go from great joy to fear and terror. And you know what? That's probably the way it always works when we step out in faith when we don't know what that means, when we just take that next step. 
there's going to be sacrifice involved, there's going to be cost, it's going to be uncomfortable, and, but it's, it's going to enter into that struggle. But we've got to come back to our calling. Do we believe God? Are we going to trust God to take that next step? The early church was not called to form a committee and develop a good program for people to enjoy. That was, not the, that was probably the last thing that the early church did. They were called to be witnesses to acknowledge Christ Jesus as Lord in heaven and earth. They were called to love people by caring for them and sharing the message of Jesus. And sometimes in our church lives, we get caught up with programs without actually getting to the point where we share our love and care. We, can't, we don't even get to the message of Jesus. The early church was called to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and re- rely upon his power to achieve it. I don't think that's changed, has it, in 2,000 years? When you know, I were reading, uh, we've got a devotional we read, uh, we read this morning, and I just had to share this. There was a, listen to this, help me to honour you by believing before I feel. Help me to honour you by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. Let me read it again. Help me to honour you, O God, by believing you before I can feel it, before I can experience it. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. So I'm finally taking a step of faith because I feel like I can. But sometimes we take steps of faith. Actually, I think every time, a step of faith, doesn't it? A step of faith means I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to take this step. So here we are, taking steps. During the week, I'm going to round off here, I'm going to close off here. I'm just thankful that uh, our eldership met for the first time. It was wonderful. Um, and uh, the first thing we really had to do with is, uh, is the next step in calling a pastor of the church. Um, uh, and uh, so we've, we're going to be communicating more to you as a church, but, uh, but we're, gonna, we're, we're saying that uh, we're putting out a, oh, for want of a better word, a job ad, uh, that pastors will see, and we're suggesting that it be four or five days. And so we're going to be asking the church to, uh, perhaps it means that we need to give a bit more. Um, so you'll be asked soon to indicate whether you're prepared to do that. Um, and that'll depend on, on how many days we can have a pastor here, four or five days. Again, just, we're acknowledging Jesus as Lord. We are holding on to trusting him as, as he calls us to care for, for others and to share the message of Jesus. 
And we believe that we are seeking to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray. Uh, I encourage you to pray with me as, uh, as we think about how uh, the, the things that might stop us. Just imagine yourself on an old city wall that you, you see in the movies and uh, that, that wall there. There's a city and the wall keeps safety and uh, there's watchmen on the wall, isn't there? And just uh, have a look on the horizon. I'd like you to think about what is it that would stop me or hinder me from trusting the Holy Spirit as he leads me further, leads me on. Have a think about what is it that will cause you to stumble? What's on the horizon? What could it be that could prevent you from being obedient to the Holy Spirit? Just have a few moments of pondering that. Now, Father in heaven, Lord, we do love you. We want to be drawn closer to you in intimacy. Lord, we want to respond to you with integrity. We want to feel your presence with us. And Lord, you know that the, the things that we see uh, as we stand on that wall, the things that would threaten to cause us to stumble, you know the, uh, the fears that we have. I want to pray, Father, we'll remember who we are. Sons and daughters of God Most High. Lord, you've, you've poured your spirit into our lives so that we don't feel alone, so we need not fear. Lord, I want to pray that you would uh, help us to see as as disciples of Jesus as, 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 as his witnesses in the world, Lord, we go out with authority because Jesus Christ, our Lord, is over heaven and earth. Lord, we pray that uh, as we take steps of faith, there'll be times when we don't feel safe, there'll be times when we don't feel you near us, I pray we take that step to discover obedience and trust in you, our good shepherd, our Father in heaven, our Redeemer, our Rock. We thank you and love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.